0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Southern Housing Group podcast, I'm your host Dal. Today we bring our charity series to an end as we look at the Lucy Faithful Foundation. The Foundation is the only UK-wide child protection charity dedicated to solely preventing child sexual abuse and in this episode I caught up with Donald at the Foundation to find out a bit more about the work they do. Before listening to this episode, please be warned this podcast does touch on information related to sexual abuse, pornography and sex offenders. Hello, Donald. Welcome to the show. Hello,
1: Daryl. Um, thanks very much for having me on.
0: No problem. So, Donald, I thought we'd start with, you know, a bit more about you. Can you tell us who you are and what your role entails?
1: I, I can. Um, I'm delighted to. So I'm Donald Findlater. I guess relevant to my role and, and what, what's important to me in, I, I guess, motivating me for my work is I'm a, I'm a father. Of five children. So family life and children and family safety are vital parts of how I've lived my life and how I continue to live it today. And I take all that, it, it, that interest and that motivation into my work within the Lucy Faithful Foundation, where I I, I am the director of the Stop It Now UK and Ireland helpline. Um, there are within the organisation um, four directors, um, so I'm one of those four so the helpline, Stop It Now You Can Island helpline is one of my areas of responsibility, but I I have other areas, for example, uh, involved in um, work with the Home Office on our Indecent Images of Children Deterrence campaign, uh, but also some work doing done internationally and in, currently in Bulgaria, in Brazil, um, actually in Australia and Canada right now, um, where we're sharing insights and information and helping establish parallel services uh, in, in those other countries and beyond.
0: And Donald, what's the aim of the Lucy Faithful Charity, and in particular the Stop It Now Helpline? And as a part two to that question, what's the relationship between the charity and the helpline?
1: Okay, yeah, we're not we're not a we're not a household name, um, and we're we're a kind of complicated organisation to understand. So the, the the registered charity is the Lucy Faithful Foundation, and we've existed since nineteen ninety two. Um, and we exist entirely to to work in the prevention of child sexual abuse. We don't deal with other aspects of child safeguarding, nor do we do with adult sexual abuse particularly, but so it's do with preventing child sexual abuse. From the beginning, and I I joined the foundation as from my work in in the probation service managing and and running sex offender treatment programmes. So many of our staff um, work to to assess and manage uh, sexual abuse risks. So working directly with sex offenders, whether those offenders are adults, whether they're young people. Um, But we also work with non-offending parents. We work with child victims of sexual abuse. And we work with all the, the, the organizations, police, probation, health workers, education, uh, social work, those kind of people. We work with all those agencies, providing training and providing insights about the work that we do. But also, I manage this topic now, UK Island Helpline. So a confidential helpline, a bit like Childline for adults, specifically to do with adults concerned to prevent child sexual abuse. And this year, this, this year behind us, um, we've, we, we're have we just reporting, we dealt with over 14,000 contacts from adults across the country, concerned about child sexual abuse, concerned to know what they need to know about preventing it. Uh, often calling in circumstances where they're concerned about uh, a behavior they've seen in typically a loved person, frankly, a husband, a partner, a neighbor, a parent. So they'll call us in those circumstances and want to know about steps that they can take.
0: Can you tell us a bit about the history of the charity and touching on not being a household name, how did the charity come to be called the Lucy Faithful Foundation?
1: So Lucy Faithful, um, in fact Baroness Lucy Faithful of Wolvercote um, was um, was a social worker by profession. She was the director of, of social services as they were called then in Oxfordshire um, back in the kind of, kind of the, in the 1970s. Uh, she was the first social worker appointed to the House of Lords. So she was very much seen as a children's champion. Um, she, she, her, her, her work, but also her life was spent championing the needs of children and ensuring that she spent her life, her effort, making sure children were as safe as she could make them. Uh, Lucy saw the need as the director of, of social services to make, to make sure that effective work was done with men who had sexually abused, with sex offenders recognizing that just to pretend they're not there or to want them to go to prison doesn't deal with the problem. So she wanted to make sure, where it was ever possible, could we work effectively with those men, typically, some women, but mostly men, could we work with them to make them as safe as they could be? And, and that was the work that she inspired and why we were set up in 1992. Um, and what the one thing she wanted to set up, and I managed the first um, residential treatment programme called the Wolvercote Clinic, and we saw 305 different men through that clinic uh, over its seven years of operation, Um, And all those men went through an assessment programme and a treatment programme, and all of them represented a risk to children. And when they left, that risk had been significantly reduced. So that was Lucy Faithful in a nutshell. She gave her name to our organisation so that in her name, we could do the best we could to keep children safe from sexual crime.
0: Has the nature or volume of work that the charity has had changed over the decades? And how has the pandemic impacted that?
1: Goodness, and the answer is is yes. Uh, it, it has massively changed uh, over the decades, uh, and I'll explain that a little more. And what was the impact of the pandemic? Well, definitely that also changed things. So when I joined the foundation uh, back in 1992, um, so we, you know just setting up, then the work was very much about uh, about working with men identified as being risky. So referrals from uh, from uh, family courts, or referrals from probation service, or from actually from from employers or or, or contacts. So. Church, people referred from the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, other faith communities. There was a a manageable quantity of work that we were doing at that stage. And we also started to do some work back in those 90s um, with young people with harmful sexual behaviour. Where are we at now? Vastly more work, partly because of more referrals of adults and the greater insight about the reality that some adult females represent a sexual risk to children. So we have developed an expertise in working with females who sexually offend and taking that expertise uh, to not only some prison and youth offending context, but, but also to back to employers who employ females just to make sure that they're wise about some of the dangers to look out for, some of the warning signs. But the Stopping a Helpline potentially has made the biggest change to all that we've done just because of, of its volume. If I tell you that we, you know, in in our clinical work, our assessment and treatment work in the last 12 months, we're talking about having worked with seven, eight hundred, nine hundred people. The helpline dealt with 14,000 contacts last year. So the helpline represents a massive volume of people, mostly who are not known to the police, mostly are not known to social workers. But they're calling because of a concern about child sexual abuse. And probably and and with of that group, there are kind of five percent of them are parents concerned about the sexual behaviour of their children and they don't want to to take that behaviour to the attention of the police or children's services. So fortunately on the helpline I have experts um, in harmful sexual behaviour, I have ex-police officers, ex-social workers, uh, ex-probation officers, psychologists who can help those parents on the end of a confidential helpline to do the best they can to keep their children safe, to deal with the behaviour and make sure it it remains dealt with. Coming back though to the issue of COVID and what's happened during COVID, that COVID event in itself, and and I engage with counterparts in Stop It Now US, in Stop It Now Netherlands, in Belgium, talk to them about what they've seen in in this child safeguarding, child protection er arena. Um, well the reality is if children aren't going to school um, and if children aren't being seen by other adults, um, then often children, if they are being harmed in some sexual way, they aren't feeling confident to tell someone else about what's happening to them. Sadly for too many, their parents aren't someone that they feel able to talk to about it. Tragically for some of those children, clearly their parents might be the, the source of the risk.
0: Donald, our frontline staff come into contact with many families that we support with housing. Is there any advice that you could give as to how colleagues can help in the protection of children who are being abused or maybe at risk of abuse? Uh,
1: yes, uh, I would say there is. Um, well, number one, we we all need to recognise as adults, uh, whether we're workers, whether, whether, whether we're in families uh, that are being visited by workers. Um, we all need to recognise the scale of the problem of child sexual abuse. One in six children in the UK is likely to experience sexual abuse uh, in in their childhoods. Uh, And that's been a piece of information that's been around for rather a number of years now. By the way, um, that parallels information we have globally, which would suggest actually more like one in four children globally. So the the risk is a real risk uh, that people need to take seriously. Uh, and, and, and it won't always be very evident uh, who that risk might be from. But the other piece of important information to know is that by far the biggest risk of contact sexual abuse towards a child is, is from within the extended and, and, and kind of an immediate family. Um, so that's where much of the risk will come from. Um, yes, of course, then with other social contacts that children will have. The, the risk of strangers to children is not non-existent, but it is statistically it is very small. So it's important that we all recognise those things.
0: What would you say is the biggest challenge you and your team are facing at the moment?
1: Look, without a doubt, the biggest challenge is to do with the online risks to children, uh, and, and the consumption of inde- indecent images of children online, the sexual grooming of children online, and the corrupting effect on young people of of sexual material and and sexual conversations and some of the social media transactions that they're involved in. Um, y- yes, of course, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. We can't. The internet, we can't. Put it away and pretend it never happened so we have to learn to to address the risks that are that are there we have to get the technology companies to to play a much stronger role in behaving responsibly and and doing their best to keep children safe um, and i believe some of them are stepping up to the plate now and the recent announcements by apple about what they're doing to help children be safe but also to help parents keep their children safe um, So there are online risk is is by far, statistically and numerically, the biggest risk and the biggest challenge we're facing, which is why we're d- discussing with the Home Office um, how we can improve our communications to the widest public, um, both uh, both by radio and TV uh, and and, com- and newspapers, but also through social media means, to just get messages out th- about how to behave responsibly and well, but also the messages out that, that too many. Adults, mostly men, don't seem to know. Sexual images of under 18s are illegal and the children in those images have been harmed uh, to make the image. And, th- and therefore, A, you shouldn't view them. B, you should feel, feel sen- sensitive towards the needs of those children harmed and you should behave responsibly online as best you can.
0: Donald, looking at the charity, how much does it cost to run the charity on a weekly, monthly and annual basis?
1: We are a national, we're a UK and Ireland wide charity. And as I've indicated, uh, we do some work internationally as well. Um, so, and, and I think and the, the, the most recent kind of, the last financial year, I think our charity annually um, that, that our, our, our kind of spend was something like 3.6 million. Um, so that kind of works out well. i got it's best part of. Uh, what 70,000 pounds a week to to keep us going. We've we've got best part of 100 staff and offices um for, for those staff up in Edinburgh, staff working from their homes uh, in various other parts of the country and then offices uh, where staff work from um both in in the Midlands and and down in in, in Epsom in Surrey where where the Stop It Now helpline is also based. That's that's the kind of the, the sums of money we're talking about. So um we are we are a bigger operation this year um than we were 2 years ago that's partly because of of, of the demands uh, that we've seen uh, and the support that a number of organizations has, has given us recognizing that the risk to children has gone up and therefore we've been able to scale up a little bit better to make sure we're we're answering more of the need uh, that, it, that is in, in front of our face
0: and lastly donald what does it mean to have companies such as seven housing group choose your charity to support
1: i am delighted at the opportunity uh, to talk to to your group uh, about the work because because it tells me that there's an interest and and that 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 is vital for us to know because we we live in a, a rather lonely place it is not easy to for example to to, 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 to want to, to talk about what we do with people so it's great that there's an interest to start talking about it with a group of people that are interested enough to get support um from, from yourselves is just also f- kind of
0: phenomenal A fantastic way to wrap up, Donald. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. A huge thank you again goes to Donald for joining me on the show to discuss the work that the Lucy Faithful Foundation does. If you want to find out any more about them, please do head over to their website, which is linked in the bio below. We'll be back with a brand new series really soon.